Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We got your stool waiting right here for you. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And for once, I think the bad martini isn't all bad. It's got definitely got some good to it, but uh, the timing, I think, is is not great. But we'll get to that in just a second. First of all, the good news, Jim. We talked earlier this week about how it looked like uh, the Republicans were on path for a House majority. That has now been clinched or projected by basically every major outlet out there, at least 218. I saw the Cook Political Report suggesting the most likely breakdown was 222 to 213, which would pretty much be the uh, reverse image of the Democrats' narrow majority in the past two years. So uh, a little more breathing room for Kevin McCarthy than uh, what we thought a couple days ago, potentially, uh, but not there yet. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. As a result, though, of the Democrats very likely being out of power in the House of Representatives come January, Nancy Pelosi has decided to step back, which is amazing because she has been in the House Democratic leadership since 2001. She has been the Democratic House leader, the top of the heap since 2003. So 20 years in that role, two different stints as speaker, four years apiece before Republicans uh, gaining it back. And so people will talk about her historic role. Others will talk about how she's kind of the lightning rod uh, and how the, the Republicans could use her uh, certainly uh, to, to, to win seats and so forth. But she's going to step back. Hakeem Jeffries uh, from New York will be the new Democratic leader, thankfully the minority leader. He'll get a ton of play in the press as, I believe, uh, the first uh, leader of either party in either chamber uh, to be of color. I could be wrong on that, but at first blush, I think that's correct. So, Jim, at long last, Nancy Pelosi is not going to be uh, at the top of the Democratic food chain in the House of Representatives. I hope that's good news. I don't have any great hopes for how good the Democrats are going to be with their new leadership, but uh, change is good, I think. Greg, up on Capitol Hill today, you can see the reaction. You can see how momentous this is to have this changing of the guard. And, and you can find people getting choked up and kind of wiping away tears and speaking in these very sad, morose tones. And this is just at the Repo National Republican Congressional Committee because <laughs> they've been running against Pelosi since 2006. Just think about how many ads you've seen over the years that say, Congressman so-and-so voted with Nancy Pelosi 97% of the time. And I went back and I checked. And back in 2006, you saw this column saying, Republicans are running ads trying to tie Congressman so-and-so to Nancy Pelosi. But do voters know who Nancy Pelosi is? Well, if they didn't know by 2006 and they didn't know by 2008, they definitely knew by 2010. And she became this reliable villain who came up in just about every major house election that was competitive and that she was this epitome of San Francisco liberalism. She literally lives on billionaires row. If Nancy Pelosi did not exist, she would have had the Republicans would have had to invent her. We have to pass the bill so that you can see what's in it. You could find, you know, year after year, Capitol Hill publications, mainstream media publications, who insisted that Nancy Pelosi was some sort of strategic genius. Uh, and what they meant was that she did a lot of fundraising, which gave her a lot of leverage over the rest of her caucus. And she generally had, most of those years, a pretty big Democratic House majority. It's a lot easier when your majority is bigger, as I suspect Kevin McCarthy is going to learn really fast at the beginning of next year. I think she was enormously overrated as a tactical or strategic leader. But on the other hand, she was there for a long time. 
She did uh, fend off the likes of Tim Ryan, the whirling dervish of raw political charisma, when those kind of challenges, and I think long after most Democrats felt like it would have been good for there to be a changing of the guard and a fresh face and new blood and all that stuff, she managed to hang on, uh, convincing Democrats that she was the best option, et cetera. I don't think Hakeem Jeffries is going to be any different or you know, significantly different ideologically, stylistically, maybe. Um, he may put his foot in his mouth less often than she did. I do find a little intriguing, Greg, that she's not retiring entirely. She says she's going to hang around as a member. I just kind of wonder if at some point in the next few months, you know, Democratic minority leader Hakeem Jeffries says, well, we're going to do this. And you just hear in the back of the room, not the way I would do it. <laughs> no, 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 no! You do it your way, Hakeem. I, I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll turn out fine. I'll be willing to take a bet that Nancy Pelosi does not serve out this two-year term. If you look at uh, recent history, when Newt Gingrich uh, didn't stick around after the '98 midterms, he bowed out quietly. Bob Livingston, who never became speaker, bowed out quietly. Dennis Haster, after he stopped being speaker and then <laughs> went on to uh, other uh, endeavors like being in prison. Uh, people who stop being speaker generally don't stay around. Nancy Pelosi is one of the very few ones that stuck around after she lost the gavel. And now I, now that she's voluntarily relinquishing it, I don't think she makes it two years. But what do you think? Well, also, imagine you're a you know politically ambitious Democrat who's wanted to be in Congress uh, in San Francisco. I mean, you, you've had to sit for decades. You've been waiting for your chance. You've been waiting for your opportunity. I'm sure there are people who are itching, just chomping at the bit, who'd love to see a special election, which would obviously be, you know, the Democratic primary would effectively be the election, uh, rather than waiting for another two years, particularly as she, you know, she's 80. She's getting up there in years. Paul Pelosi just had this awful experience. It's very understandable she'd want to spend time with her husband. I, you know, you kind of wonder if, if Nancy Pelosi can't look at Capitol Hill and say, my work here is done, who can? But uh I guess we will we will see, but I, I suspect there'll be quite a few California Democrats who might say, "Nancy, here's a gold watch. Why don't you take it easy? Why don't you take you know step down a little bit sooner?" Yeah, I think she'll cite the situation with her husband as a reason to bow out fairly quickly. I think probably before next summer, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, and you talk about her work being done, man. What a just pile of wreckage to our country as a result of Nancy Pelosi, from Obamacare to. Dodd-Frank to uh, just the glut of spending as a result of the uh, pandemic and so forth. I mean, it's just on and on and on. Every ideological thing that she jammed through and the Senate was able to do as well. I mean, uh, her damage to this country economically, socially, and otherwise is uh, probably incalculable compared to other speakers of the House in the past. So uh, yeah, she's accomplished a lot. But did she improve this country? No, not even close. All right. On that happy note, wow, how did a good martini end so dark? I'm sorry about that. That <laughs> Let's go do cut. the martinis. You never we have you know, just as he had to pass the bill to see what's in it, Greg, yeah. we have to talk about the martinis to see how we actually feel about it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So now our bad martini somehow is uh about the incoming Republican majority in the House of Representatives. And like I said, the overall issue is not bad. The timing is bad because it was like we said it's just yesterday that a lot of these media outlets although we've we've sensed it for a couple of days now the republicans will have control and so it's just a couple of months before the midterms that kevin mccarthy i think he was up in pennsylvania a lot of good it did in those house races and senate race rolled out the commitment uh to america and so it was pretty vague but it was talked about you know dealing with inflation 
energy, education, big sweeping subjects, uh, crime, uh, things that the American people were very frustrated about and he thought were going to be the the winning issues, the border being another one, of course. And so hopefully they're still going to move on those issues. But those should be the issues that they're talking about today. Now that it's, everyone agrees that we're going to have the majority, here's what we're going to be pushing. we got this narrow majority. Here's, here are the big consensus issues we're going to move on. Instead, the first thing they announce with Jim Jordan, and the uh, he's going to be the uh, judiciary chairman, and James Comer, not Comey, but Comer, who's going to be the uh, uh, incoming chairman of the Oversight Committee. He's from Kentucky. We're going to look into the Hunter Biden laptop, which is fine. They should look into the Hunter Biden laptop because there's a lot on there and we know it's a legit laptop and we know the FBI has slow walked this in a number of different ways. And uh, I have very little confidence that the uh, Biden Justice Department has any interest in actually digging into it. So it should be done. But Jim, um, for that to be the leadoff issue in terms of what this new majority plans to work on, uh, I think you do that a little bit later or you know, launch it when you launch the new Congress. Uh, and the first thing you should be talking about today is how you're going to make somebody else's life better. Yeah. So about a week before the election, I was able to speak to some folks in House Republican leadership, get a sense of what the op- how they envisioned the opening months going. Now, at that time, the expectation was not just that Republicans win the House, but they'd have a comfortable majority, one where they'd have more than a few votes. Uh, And obviously, energy was very high on the list. Border security was very high on the list. Um, And they also were, you know, they mentioned oversight hearings. And the attitude was they could walk and chew gum at the same time. They could pass legislation, you know, that they knew was going to have a challenging time in the Senate and that they knew was likely to face a Biden veto, but they were going to pass what they thought the country needed, the legislation they thought was the right idea. And that they would then, you know, and it was definitely energy and border security that they said were, you know, most ready for prime time, so to speak, and that the other items in the commitment to America would be coming in following months. Um, I don't think that's clearly off the case. I think making having only 218 to 220, 221, something like that makes it a lot tougher. Uh, to get that stuff passed. I don't think it's, you know, they're still going to try, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily quite so easy. You don't have a lot of room to to lose people. And, you know, the the I guess the other thing I think about is how many times have oversight hearings proven really consequential? I think much less often than Republicans would like. I, the, the only one that really comes to mind off the top of my head were the Benghazi ones, which interestingly at the time were perceived to be this major victory for Hillary Clinton. Uh, a lot of folks were convinced that when she said, at this point, what difference does it make? And believe that was this giant victory against the Republicans in Congress. I think that probably was a factor in the defeat of Hillary Clinton in 2016. A lot of factors, but I think that uh, certainly made it tougher for her to run and argue that she had been this phenomenally successful uh, uh, candidate in 2016. There was a lot of talk about Benghazi at that Republican convention in Cleveland. Uh, but look, there are a lot of times, you know, every time Republicans take over the House or take over the Senate, like, ah, oh, here come the, the, you know, the oversight hearings. And I kind of feel like they come and go. I don't think they necessarily have this lasting input. Now, given a choice between Democrats running the oversight hearings of a Democratic administration or Republicans running the oversight hearings on a Democratic administration, I would much prefer Republicans. But I'm not sure that we're going to hear anything in hearings on Hunter Biden's laptop that's going to be enormously consequential in 2023 and 2024. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just think the the history of these things is um, oversight hearings really rarely shake out the way you'd like them to and are quite as you know lasting an impact as you'd like to see. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think I'm like to say, hey guys, don't forget, make sure you don't forget about the policy because to the extent you won in 2022, 
I think this was a big part of it. And oversight hearings are kind of, they, you know, they can create some cable news moments and stuff like that. But I don't think they're really consequential in the long run. Yeah, I think you could walk and chew gum at the same time here. You can do both, obviously. And like I said, I think it's important to get into this because if uh, Hunter Biden had ties to the Chinese and there's influence peddling going on with his father as president of the United States, that's a big deal. Uh, I'm, I'm missing the middle word there, like Joe Biden likes to say, but it's a big deal, uh, and that needs to be uh, to be looked into. So I'm not I'm not discounting the investigation at all. the The thing here is that uh, the what's what comes to the floor also matters, and I would say it matters even more to people who are trying to figure out how to make their budgets meet each week. So do both, but I think uh, from the PR front, especially before you really get going with these hearings, talk about things that uh, people left, right, and center are going to care about most. So it's just. Uh, Matter of prioritizing the PR here, as I see it. So, uh, but you're right. A lot of times, these these hearings overpromise and underperform. We'll see what they actually come up with here. But uh, from what we know so far about this laptop, they're probably going to be a little bit more than just smoke. There, we'll see. All right, on to our final martini now, and this is crazy. As you know, we're having also a new Senate officially sworn in, as they do every two years. Democrats will continue control regardless of how the Georgia runoff uh, goes. And that means we will also have a new president pro tem. The president pro tem is the longest serving member of the majority party. And since the Democrats are staying put, but Patrick Leahy is not after 48 years in the U.S. Senate, there needs to be a new one. Now, the next person in line, seniority wise, should be Dianne Feinstein, but she is declining the role. And so now it appears it's going to go to Patty Murray of Washington, who was also first elected in 1992. So Jim, an election that feels like just a few years ago <laughs> to us is now uh, where the long tooth uh, people are, are, are from in the U.S. Senate. But uh, here's the situation with Dianne Feinstein. There's been uh, allegations of her having cognitive challenges, shall we say. For a while now, it really came out in force when she was initially opposed to uh, killing the filibuster for certain Democratic priorities. But then as soon as she got in line with wanting to kill the filibuster, these stories went away, curiously. But she was uh, seen in the hallway up on Capitol Hill, and she was asked about becoming president pro temps, and she was next in line. And she says, well, I haven't thought about it, but I'll let you know when I do, said Feinstein. I just got back. I've had a lot of issues. An aide walking with the senator, an aide walking with the senator quickly interjected, telling Business Insider that Feinstein had told a few reporters in the past that she's not thought about it and has no intention of seeking the position. That's what you've told reporters, the aide said to Feinstein. I don't know what you're saying, she replied. This is about the Senate pro tem position, the aide said. Well, I haven't said anything about it that I know of, she insisted. You were asked about it over the break, and you put out a statement saying that you had no intention of running for it. He said, okay, well, then I guess it's out, she conceded. So, Jim, I guess there could have been a noisy hallway. It was hard to understand, but given what we already know about Dianne Feinstein from a number of sources, looks like it's going to be a pretty long final two years of this term. She's officially filed to run again for another six years in 2024 when she would be 91. I don't think that's going to happen. But it appears that for the bulk of this, what appears to be her final term up on Capitol Hill, she struggled mightily. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I, I, you know, you listen to that and you, feel, I, I, I feel great sympathy for Diane Feinstein. It sounds like she doesn't always know what's going on around her and what they're talking about, and she certainly doesn't know what she has said, not that long ago or maybe a few weeks ago, 
Um, this is not the first time this has happened. We talked about Nancy Pelosi, you know, potentially hanging it up and, and riding off into the sunset. And it certainly sounds like Dianne Feinstein is overdue for that. Um, and this isn't an ideological thing. This sounds like she clearly is confused by basic questions of what's going on around her. Um, now, it's it's ironic. We've had you know these kinds of conversations about Biden. We've had these conversations about various other lawmakers. I, I, I don't like the country is not well served by having octogenarians who have real trouble understanding what's being said and done and, and the jobs and what they're doing there. This happens to almost everyone as they get older. God bless you if it doesn't, but we, we lots of us have seen this with grandparents. Lots of us have seen this with parents. You know, you're not, this is not a royal throne that you sit on for the rest of your days. These are not lifetime appointments. There's no need for us to be in this situation. Diane Feinstein has had a long and illustrious career and you can put her into the Senate Democrat Hall of Fame if you want to, but this is turning into, if it wasn't so sad, you'd say it was a farce. You'd say it was ridiculous where she needs to be informed what she thinks and what she's said in the past by her staff. I'm surprised this is such a hard issue and I'm surprised there's no one around Feinstein who can convince her this is time to hang it up, time to let somebody else take over. We'll see if anything shakes out, Greg, but my suspicion is, is that this is going to become more and more extreme uh, more and more impossible to hide. And we're just, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe her new colleague, John Fetterman, can talk her through it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, when you see a situation like this and all these other reports we've seen over the past couple of years, you're thinking, gosh, I mean, come on, you got to replace her. There's got to anybody would probably be better than this. And then you see stories like this. Who's thinking about running for her Senate seat in two years? Adam Schiff, he has, according to Politico, decided not to seek a top House Democratic leadership post in the next Congress and instead is turning his focus to a potential Senate run. So, Jim, <laughs> would you rather have a not near 100% Dianne Feinstein or a fully at 100% Adam Schiff? That's a, that's a coin flip right there. Can we put Dianne Feinstein's mind, even in its current state, into Adam Schiff's body? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, those, those are my options, huh? You know, Way to go, California. Way to go. And don't forget the other Californian in the mix here. We got Kamala Harris. So every time you're like, oh, maybe it's time for Biden to hit the bricks. Then again, <laughs> I'm not sure she would be any better. And she doesn't have any of those uh, medical issues. But uh, Jim, we'll see what happens. We've already got people announcing Senate runs. Joe Manchin's already got a challenger. So it's not just Trump. We got people jumping at the chance for 2024. Can we just get to 2023 first? I don't ask much. Anyway, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already, and please tell a friend about us as well. Thank you also for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. They really do help us, so please keep those coming. Thank you so much. Also, uh, remember to get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Getting close to Christmas. Order it now. Gathering Five Storms, Jim's brand new thriller, and the accompanying short story, Saving the Devil. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday, and please join us again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. 
We know there's so much craziness going on in the news these days, but don't worry because we're here to talk about it all. The GOP lost the Senate, proving that the red wave was overly optimistic and polls cannot be trusted. Plus, Trump is stirring up drama within the Republican Party at a time we all need to be coming together. Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts.